0: Just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Father, we thank You, You're here. Your presence is here. You bring joy wherever you are. Your kingdom is one of peace and joy, righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we lean into that right now. We thank You, Father, that this is Your church. We are Your kingdom people. I pray, Father, today, most of all, that you would set us free. I'm praying for some sort of mass deliverance over our gatherings as we meet, because, Lord, we need your help, Holy Spirit, because we're bound in blind spots we don't even realise. And I wanna take the opportunity right now under the authority and the anointing of God to bind the spirit of religion in this room, and declare that the prisoners are released from captivity today. I want to declare sight to the blind. Father, we thank You for Your Word. I pray that it would speak to people's hearts. Thank You, Your Spirit is here. Speak to our hearts, change our lives in the wonderful Name of Jesus. Let Your presence be manifest. Amen. You can sit, mate. Otherwise, I'm just going to muck around too much good times. Got a few scriptures we want to read today. I want to talk to you today about the spirit of religion. Everybody say religion. I want to shake some things up this morning, is that all right? I want to um, just speak, I suppose, apostolically but also as a shepherd to our church community and um, I've purposely put kind of a provocative statement. If you're new to church, Um, And you're in this place just so that for clarification, because maybe from an outsider's perspective, you go, well, isn't the church religious? Um, And in one breath to the letter of the law, by definition, yes, it is. You're correct. But for us as followers of Jesus, we believe that it's more than just ticking the boxes that... Uh, The traditions of man require and it is more about, it's less about religious activity and more about uh, intimate relationship with God through the person of Jesus and so I'm being facetious and sarcastic this morning when I say I love religion because the truth is, um, the real title to this sermon that I didn't give Israel is, I love religion, but I didn't know it. Because I think a lot of us are under the influence of what we'll term for today a religious spirit, a religious attitude. We're under a religious kind of way of living and we don't even realise it. I love religion and I didn't even realise it. I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking. I'm. I'm just going to preach to myself this morning, because I know that there are areas in my own life where this sneaky little influential thing called the spirit of religion kicks into gear and has me trying to. It it tries to uh, get me to uh, and influence me to worship God in a way that doesn't actually please Him. I love religion, and I didn't even realize it. Let's can we read can we read a bit of the Bible this morning? We're going to lay a foundation. I'm going to give you the points. We're just going to go through it, and then if we have time this morning, um, if we have time this morning, we'll go back and we'll kind of preach a little bit about these uh, thoughts that I have. I want to do two things or a few things this morning. First of all, I want to talk about how you can discern and how you can look at your own life and work out whether you are influenced by a religious spirit or maybe an easier way of saying that, whether you are religious or not. Whether you are religious or not. You know, the church has been pretty good at pointing fingers out to everything it is but itself. You know? Like we're good at saying, well, we're Pentecostals and because we're Pentecostals, And we have a finger pointing out there. But we as the church should be less fingers and more thumbs. Right? We should not be critical of other church environments simply because they look different to our church environment. Well, I don't like their style of music. Well, guess what? We probably don't like yours. And guess what? it doesn't make any difference at all. <laughs> because in those case scenarios, we've tried to make it about right or wrong rather than honour, honour the diversity across the church of Jesus Christ and allow Jesus to be glorified in a lot of ways. We don't have banners in this church. Well, not at the meetings that I'm at anyway. <laughs> but I'm cool with people with banners. I just see the oh and health and safety, someone getting a banner in the eyeball or something like that. I'm, I'm cool, I'm cool with that. We had a long time where we didn't sing one faster song. Why? Partly because we didn't have a drummer. <laughs> have you ever tried, you know, there's a lot of people that can't clap in time in this church. I don't want to name and shame you, but you're here. <sighs> you're married to a drummer, come on, Mariella. Then he, Yeah, he's telling you off. <laughs> but it's okay. I love seeing the different expressions of worship. We've got to be less critical of what's happening out there and more accountable for who we are. Amen? So I want to talk to you about how you know you personally are religious. Then I want to talk about... Um, I suppose exposing a religious spirit that can happen culturally. And we're gonna talk about some real life things. Is this good? Yeah. You with me? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's read Mark chapter eight. We're gonna read from verses 14 to 21. Mark eight. It says, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. So what's just happened is Jesus has just fed 4,000 people. It's just happened. It's been an amazing miracle. Seven baskets. We don't have time to get into this. I'm doing a whole study on why there's two feedings of bread um, in In the Gospels, there's the feeding of the 5,000, then there's the feeding of the 4,000. It's really quite fascinating, the feeding of the 5,000. They take up 12 loaves of basket. The location is really important. There's some deep revelation in that. 12 loaves of basket, speaking like it's really quite a Jewish orientated miracle about how God, through the person of Jesus, is the bread that came in the wilderness. He is the bread of life, he goes on to say later. And this one... That miracles has happened. Matt, don't get distracted. Stay on track. Uh, they, they've forgotten to bring bread. Could you, you would have forgotten to bring bread. Because you'd just be like, what has just happened? The food has multiplied. So you would have been, <laughs> I would have been thinking, well, Jesus can just do it in the boat anyway, so it's all good. Except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Then listen to this. Jesus uses it as an object lesson. Be careful, Jesus warned. Warn them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. The yeast of the Pharisees is speaking of watch out for the religious folk, the influence, yeast is a picture of influence. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. What is Herod? Herod speaks. We don't have time to go into this today. It's another lesson if you like, but speaks of a political spirit. You always see religion and politics, they're like best mates trying to hang out, right? Religion, why? Because they both thrive on power. I'm getting ahead but they both thrive on power. Religion seeks to lead and influence through power, and guess what, so does politics. That's why I wanna just say this really boldly. I'm not saying it's impossible, but be very careful and discerning, submit it to eldership, do it in the sense of community if you are feeling led into influence in the political arena. Because often I believe that the church is trying to change the world through a system that the world has set up. And does God do that? Yes, he does. Am I for God doing that? Yes, I am. We've got Daniel, we've got Joseph, we've got a lot of biblical accounts. I'm not undoing it. I'm just saying we've got to be careful that we're not trying to be a part of the world and change it from a worldly way. That's not the way Jesus upset the religious and the political arena of his time. He did it by coming underneath and hanging out with all the people that religion and politics despised. He moved in an opposite spirit. Let's just leave the rest of that scripture for now for the sake of time, but watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now let's read, we're gonna read a big chunk of scripture in 1 Corinthians. We're gonna read the whole of chapter two. I'm getting your Bible reading plan up to date for the year and uh, let's read it. It says, And I, brethren, came to you when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or with wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. What Paul is saying is, he's saying, I didn't come like the religious teachers that you know, that are eloquent, that had all the right things to say, had all the right priestly garments on. I didn't come in that way. I came in a different way. I for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear. Religion and politics never does that. And in much trembling. And my speech, and that's the sign of true apostolic ministry. True apostolic ministry, it's not a a triangle. Our triangle leadership is shifting in the earth, the pyramid. It's upside down is the way Jesus designed it. Jesus said if you want to be great, the activity of what it looks like to be great in the kingdom, not the pathway, not, the high, not how to climb church hierarchy. He said the actual activity and identity of someone that's great in the kingdom is that they come to the very bottom of that pyramid and they serve. Just like Jesus did, he came to give his life a ransom for many. And so Paul comes in weakness. He comes, listen to this word, Paul comes in fear. Paul is saying, I identify with every part of who you are. Under the church leadership I've been brought up under over the last 25 years, I've been taught that pastors and spiritual leaders need to position themselves as these dudes that have, or or sheilers, that have it all together. That present well, they wear the right clothes, they look really good, they they have all the right things to say, but Paul says the opposite. Paul did why because Paul wasn't trying to prove himself on an earthly plane. Paul didn't care about getting influence with man by going, well, if I want to influence David, I've got to dress as cool as David. Right? You will forever be trying to match worldly things if you think that that's how the church is meant to influence the world. Instead, you and I carry something on the inside of us that even in our fear and our weakness still has the power to bring about a work of the Spirit. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. There's that religious thing again but in the demonstration and the power, or demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith should not be built upon what men can structure that you can lean on. Your relationship with God must be built on something other than what men build. Got to be built on Him, right? However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Listen, this Paul—he's he's a hardcore pastor. I'm a lot nicer. Yet, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, ordained before the ages, for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For they for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, this is one of the most misquoted passages of scripture in the Bible, I has not seen, ear, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. We normally provide just a full stop, and that's all we quote that like, Well, we don't know, but then read on. Why? Because God in this time is wanting to unlock deeper mysteries to you of the kingdom. Okay, listen, eyes not heen, ears not heard, hasn't entered in the heart of man, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So maturity is about coming into a greater understanding of the things that have been given to us by God. That's why it's revelation, okay? Revelation is a revealing of what is already there. It's revealing of a mystery that is already there. That's why you and I, and, and listen, revelation does is not produced by information, Revelation comes by intimacy with the Lord. That's why you can read the Bible, 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 right? But not have an engagement with the Word, capital W. You can read the Logos, which is the Greek word for the Word, and not have an experience with the Rhema, God's Word. Amen? And so... You and I, even in our reading of Scripture, which I'm not trying to put down here, Scripture's important, but the Word is more important than Scripture. That was deep. You might get that when you get home. The Word is more important than Scripture. In other words, you can quote lots of verses, but you need to invite the Holy Spirit in that place to illuminate God's Word. These things, which we also speak Uh, These things we also speak non-words, which man's wisdom teaches us, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Did you hear that? That's important. The natural man does not receive the things, spiritual things, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Everybody say discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. And brethren, and I brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as the carnal, as the babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men. There is a one of the greatest ways that you can work out whether you're a carnal Christian or not. You ready for this? Is He just gives that list right there. If you're constantly have if there's envy in your life if there's strife in your life if every other relationship ends up in a fight if there's division around you that's because you're not being ruled by the spirit but you're actually being ruled by your carnal nature I want to clarify I said something last week because my wife um, gave me a hard time about it she's a good good feedback source of feedback To clarify when I was talking about the spirit and the soul and the body, for those of you that were here last week, it was an invigorating Mother's Day service, um, right on point for mothers. The spirit, the soul and the body. I want to clarify because I think our tradition has tried to communicate that the spirit is good, the soul is less good and the body is really bad. But the truth is, is all three parts were created perfectly in the image of God. Spirit, amazing. Soul, incredible. Body, fantastic. Just turn to your neighbour and say, I love your body. Don't do that. Don't do that. Could be inappropriate. Just came to me. Danny was up here before. The youth pastor anointing just came on me just then. Okay, that's inappropriate for youth. Ella, Hallie, wherever you are, never. You can have fun. It's all good. Some people are like, he can't say that. Are you with me though? I'm trying to help you to see that the realm of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, absolutely we want to be yielding them to the finished work that's happened because of Jesus in our spirit. But the mind and the will and the emotions are the place that you're going to interact with God. Your body is a place that you receive a whole lot of information from this world. You experience and it is interpreted through your mind. But they're good things. They're good things. They're not bad things. And so when we're talking about carnality or the sinful nature, we're not talking about the soul. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter six, he says, why do I do the things I don't wanna do and the things that I do wanna do, I don't do those things. And then he says, there's actually someone else inside of me, this, is, this isn't me, I'm not describing split personalities, this is the apostle Paul. He says, there's another something inside of me, the sinful nature inside of me that it influences me to do things that I don't wanna do. Read it, it's powerful. After he goes on that rant, I think that's actually Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter eight verse one says this, now therefore there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. The work of God's grace is so much bigger than we think. You are spiritual people and you and I must discern Whether we are religious or not. When you are carnal, more often than not, you are operating under the influence of religion, especially if you're a regular church attender. You with me? So how do I know if um, how do I know if if I'm a religious person? Let me give you these three things. You can write them down, and then we'll talk about them, and then we'll go into a little bit more detail about a religious spirit. Number one, number one, we've touched on this a little bit. How do I know? How do you know you are religious? Number one, you have a carnal mind. You have a carnal mind. Number two, you are self-righteous. This is a fun. This is fun, isn't it? You're self-righteous. And number three, you're spiritually blind. Spiritually blind. You believe a a carnally-minded Christian, it's quiet in this church. All the religious people are quiet. No, I'm joking. I I I want this to help. Because you know why I want it to help? Because I sense moments where we're on the precipice of freedom and then I feel something, I feel religion kick in. Some of you are so good. I'm, I remember I'm preaching to myself this morning. You're so good at doing church, you've forgotten how to be obedient to God. You need to write that down. You've been so good, you've been in this room so long. You know when to stand and clap and sing and do all those sorts of things that you've lost your ability to hear God's voice in this system. And so you enter, I'm not saying you have a religious spirit, I'm saying you were influenced by what we're deeming today, we're calling it today as a... um, For the sake of terminology, you are being influenced by religion. It's human nature, by the way, for us to lean into these sorts of things. So the only way we don't is by operating in an opposite spirit to those things. We'll talk about that in a moment. You lean a carnal mind, a carnal mind is someone that lives by your own understanding. It's like... And and their their expression and their relationship with God is based upon their understanding rather than based upon intimacy with God. It's like Eli and Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 might come up on the screens. Eli honored the religious system. Right? Listen to this. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Eli wasn't ministering to the Lord, the boy was, right? Eli is the high priest right now, right? And if you read chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, you read how corrupt Eli and his sons were. In fact, in just a few few moments, or I believe it's actually in the end of chapter 2, some other prophets come and said, bro, the game's up. You're about to die. And your sons are going to die too. Because you've been defiling... Because you've been operating in this realm for God but you've been doing it for the wrong reason. Your heart's cold, your heart's not in it. And so it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered before the, to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Why was it rare in those days? It was rare in those days because it was all activity and no intimacy. It was all attendance. It was all attendance and no engagement. This is good for someone today. It was all singing, but no actual worship. It was all giving because that's what we do. Here's my money. God bless you, Lord. You know, first 10%, the first goes first. It's going to be amazing, excellent. But there was no heart of worship in the giving. Keep your money, keep it. Are you with me? Yes. It, was, it was all about the show and not about Him. It's, it's got to be all about Him. And the carnal mind just operates in a religious system because it knows what to do in the right moment. And my fear for the church, for us as believers, if we look at our lives and go, you know what, God, the word revelation is rare in my life. That's because probably, just being honest, you've got, you've got a carnal mind. You're leaning too heavily on your own understanding, and I want to encourage you to invite the Holy. This is the good news of this story. This isn't a bad message where you feel convicted and down when you leave. This is a good news story because you could have walk- You can walk in here with a carnal mind, surrender it to the Holy Spirit, and walk out completely free. Because revelation is always where devotion to the Holy Spirit is. That's why revelation is always rare in religion. That's why, oh, I'm not sure you're ready for this today. That's why we are trying through... I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. That's why we are trying to stoke up revival... Through man made mechanisms. We are using the word revival as a brand to attract people to say, hey, let me come and participate in my old wineskin. And then we're wondering why the same wine keeps getting poured out. (laughs) You quiet. And I'm all good for it. I'm registering for the conferences. I'm, I'm participating. I'm not hating on other people or ministries doing that. They, I, I'm, my prayer for them is that they operate out of the pattern God shows them. I'm just teaching you. I'm just wanting, I'm just wanting you to, to hear the heart of what God's doing moving forward in the church. Got to be about what he's doing. Amen. And so revelation is always rare where there's religion. Religion is man-made. It looks like God, but it's not God. Oh, this is getting deep. It looks like God, but it's not God. It sounds like God. It looks like an angel of light. It could even, can we be really honest and transparent in this moment? This is why you've got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because if we are not a discerning, accountable, transparent community, it can sound like the voice of your pastor, but not be God. What am I saying? It can sound like me preaching on a Sunday but it might not be him. Are you saying your preaching's not of God? I certainly hope not. But I'm saying you will never know while you operate in a carnal mind. And you need to know. You need to know. You need to ask the big questions. You need to have the courage to say, Matt, you said this. Either help me to understand it, or this is what the scripture says as I read it. We're all we, we always approach correction and uh, and rebuke with humility on both sides, right? Because we approach it from a place of like I could be wrong because I'm also a broken, flawed listener. So help me to understand before you before I'm understood. Are you with me? But if you ever hear something come out of my mouth or from this stage that doesn't line up or you don't have understanding, you have every right to ask the question, please help me to understand. If you are not in an environment like that, you are not in a healthy, safe, godly environment. If you're in an environment where all you, all, all you see of the pastor is up here and nowhere else, you are not in a safe environment. You are in a religious environment. Ooh, I'm just enjoying myself. <laughs> Number two, you're self-righteous. How do, how do I know if I'm religious? Well, I'm, I'm self-righteous. There's a story in the Bible. We won't put it up for the sake of time, Luke chapter 18, but Jesus uses this as an illustration. A Pharisee goes to pray. And he's praying and it's awesome. And the words are powerful it's like just an incredible prayer people are goosebumps are happening you know what i'm saying like it's it's amazing and then who's the other character in the story let me get that right a tax collector people hated the tax collectors the bible says that he was he was so ashamed and so kind of i got to be over there, that he stood from a distance. He didn't even go near the temple. Meanwhile, the good Christian man's up there. He's got the microphone. He's praying eloquently. He's doing all those sorts of things. But the tax collector stands off at a distance and says, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus uses that parable as an illustration to say, you religious person, I'm not actually, I'm, I'm hearing what the tax collector's saying. I'm not hearing what he's saying because it's happening purely to prop up religion rather than coming from the heart. You think in your self-righteousness, there's lots of verses in the book of Romans that you can read, but you think your righteousness comes from your religious activity. So the more I'm doing good church Christian things, the more righteous I am. When you live out of that, number one, that's you're participating in a religious, with a religious spirit. But number two, you're actually going back to the law. You're actually living purely out of the law. You're participating in the works of the law as opposed to the works of righteousness. And when you, what's the difference? When you participate in the works of the law, they look really spiritual other people praise you and you thrive off those things. But you do it from a heart where you're trying to get God's approval as opposed to works of righteousness come from God's approval. And you are simply now as a kingdom person participating in kingdom activity. Are you with me? And so that's why as a kingdom person, when there's someone with need in your area, in your life, under in your circle of influence, you're not wondering if it's the right thing to pray for them or not to be delivered or healed or set free because you are literally just participating in kingdom activity as a work of righteousness because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of Jesus. So you are just participate. You're not perfect. He's perfect inside of you. And so when you command an evil spirit, a sickness, oppression, whatever that thing might be, it must listen to the sound of your voice because you have authority not in your own works but in the finished work of Jesus. And the reason why you're not praying for every person you can find that has a need is possibly because you're operating in self-righteousness. You're thinking, I haven't done good. And so God wouldn't hear my prayer. I'm just talking real stuff today. I hope it's hitting home. Whereas you should be, we, we're not dying on the cross and resurrecting again. As born again believers, we are participating in his resurrection. Amen. This last thought is that you're blind. John chapter one says, one of the most tragic verses in the Bible, he came to his own, but his own did not know him. They did not recognise him. You're so good at doing church life, and this is even in this corporate thing, it goes beyond a Sunday morning meeting. Are you you good? Just give us a wave if this is making sense so far. Josh, you didn't wave? No? Come on, mate. Naomi, you good? Yep. (laughs) Fantastic. But you're spiritually blind, okay? And so what happens is, is, the, the, what happened with Jesus because they were spiritually blind, they didn't recognise him. They didn't recognise the Messiah. The one they'd been praying for, they didn't actually recognise. And I just want to be transparent about this. Bring this into this moment. It's like when the Holy Spirit starts moving in a meeting, when you're under a spirit of religion, you don't recognise him. You're waiting on the next song. You're wondering when the MC is going to get up. You're wondering, when's the altar goal gonna come? You're already thinking about the time. When's David gonna get up on the keys? You're thinking about the coffee queue. You should be too. (laughs) I am. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're thinking about the system of church rather than what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do. Why? because you've let religion spiritually blind you. This is an important word for us as a church community. And because you're blind, you don't recognise wolves in sheep's clothing. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Can we just go a little bit? Can we just press a few more buttons this morning? Is that all right, Chip? Is that good? You confuse because you're spiritually blind... The wolf of fame dressed as the sheep of honour. The wolf of fame dressed as the sheep of honour. I got a smile. You hearing what I'm saying? It looks like honour. It parades itself around like it's honour in the church. It's actually the wolf of fame. And fame thrives on power. Because you're blind, you don't recognize the wolf of entertainment dressed up as the sheep of worship. Because you're blind, you don't recognize the wolf of consumerism dressed up as God's provision. Bless me, Lord. If you sow this, I'm going to, you know, you're going to get 30, 60, 100. We believe in sowing and reaping. We absolutely do. We need a raise to be perfectly transparent. We want to raise in our giving budget over the next next 12 months, probably another $200,000 a year. That sounds like a lot of money. We want to make a bigger impact in the community. We want to see more people get touched. There's staffing, there's different things. We want to be able to live stream our services so that those that aren't here on a Sunday can have access to it for whatever reason. That's going to cost us about $20,000. This isn't leading to an offering, by the way. (laughs) Um, we're, We're good about giving. Giving's a good thing. Sowing and reaping's a good thing. It's a thing. It's a biblical thing. But religion has used it as a mechanism. It's hid, it's hid as a wolf of consumerism, we need more, 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 right? And it's disguised itself as the sheep of God's provision. Because you're blind, the wolf of works, you don't recognise it's dressed up as the sheep of holiness. <laughs> this is so fun. You look, you think it's the holiness that you're pursuing. You're not, you're pursuing works. If I just pray more, if I just do this more, if I just do that more, if I look like that, if I dress like that, religion. It's the wolf, it's, it's not a sheep. It's the wolf of works. The wolf of religion is dressed up as the sheep of surrender. Look at me, I look so good. But God wants engagement, not attendance. God wants heart. He doesn't want just tick, 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 I did all these things. Why? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. So the carnal mind must be submitted to Him in order for God to have His way. Can we just do a few more things? Is that all right? Josh Collada said yes, so it's it's on him, all right? Lastly, I'll close with the, these last thoughts. What's the time? Just give me five to 10 minutes. You can take that off easy if that's all right. Thanks, man. When Jesus said in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 4.18, I read it this morning, that the Spirit of the Lord is on him, he was actually not only echoing the words of Isaiah the prophet but he was essentially announcing to his congregation that he's, or to the people that were listening, that he's the Messiah and that in them hearing, right? I just leave it. It's all good. Don't worry about it. You helping? Jail, you're so nice. What a sister. Didn't want... It was a good try, though. It's a thought that counts. In, today, in your hearing, the scripture is fulfilled. Jesus was ultimately in, in Mark chapter 4, 18, Luke 4, Luke 4, 18, declaring his messianic job description. What did he say? He said, I'm about to bring freedom to the prisoners. I'm bringing reco- in me, I'm bringing recovery of sight to the blind. I'm going to set the oppressed free. What was he saying? Did he, was he talking about physical bondage? Yes, but he was also talking about spiritual bondage. Spiritual bondage, the unseen things, the things that are potentially more paralyzing than the physical bondage. The demons and the spiritual forces that we allow to hang around our lives God wants to set you free from those today. This is why we need, like I'll say it like this: discernment often leads to deliverance. Discernment, please hear me. This is real. This is an important thing for our church community. Discernment is absolutely vital in this day and age. You and I, as we pray. Can we please be praying? Like, don't pray to get slain in the Spirit. Don't pray for for all those other wonderful things. Do pray for those things. But please be praying for discernment. Please be asking the Holy Spirit for spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. So that you can distinguish the difference between an angel and an angel of light preaching a different Gospel. How do you do that? They look majestic, they sound powerful. Only a spirit of discernment is going to allow you to know which one is of Jesus and which one is not. A spirit of discernment. The only thing you're going to be able to, you you need or are going to need to navigate your future and decisions well is a spirit of discernment. Lord, give us, your people, a spirit of discernment. I want to tell you today, I don't want to preach too hard about this, but I want to tell you today, discernment is going to be one of the greatest weapons you're going to have in your arsenal. It's not going to be praying in the Spirit. It's not going to be gift of miracles. All those things are wonderful. It's not going to be parting the Red Sea. It's going to be having the uh, a peace in a storm because you have discernment to know that my future is safe because of the one that put me in this storm in the first place. The, your discernment is one of your greatest weapons and discernment. When you start discerning as a leader or as a person in the kingdom of God, you walk into situations and you start discerning things that are not of the spirit of God and you get this thing inside, oh yeah, Well, yeah, I'm hearing that Holy Spirit. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. What discernment often leads to deliverance. And so you're discerning because God wants to release you into a ministry of deliverance to set the captives free and as believers in Jesus we're called to obviously worship him but we're also called to participate in that messianic mandate and bring sight to the blind set the captives free so last thought what does a religious spirit do what does it look like a religious spirit wants to keep you out of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It wants to get you so wrapped up in the process, the system, to the point of it think you, then you think you're worshiping God by propping up the system. This is why to come like oh, we're having an honest moment, so I'm going to stop asking for permission. There are going to be some weeks where we don't have a full band. This isn't prophetic, by the way. Or we don't have kids' church one week, and all the parents were like, pardon? (laughs) That was a demon manifesting of religion right there. Don't worry, it came out of me too. Um, There are going to be some days we might not have coffee. There might not be signs on the road. There might not be all the things that make your Sunday church experience a nice, happy, clappy, warm place for you. Angel of light, oh no. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not prepared to sacrifice people on the altar of religious systems. You aren't ready for me this morning. I'm not prepared to kill people, have them burn out in church life. It's not even church, burn out on religion. Because we've been trying to make sure all the good Christian people get a coffee on a Sunday morning. And we love our coffee. Me too. We declare that that'll never happen over the coffee machine. Every other area, Lord, but that. (laughs) Now we're exposing an addiction. But anyway. So the spirit of religion, five more minutes, the spirit of religion, what does it do? It. It's trying to interrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life by lying to you. Because remember, the devil is the father of lies. He lies. His systems and patterns are always in lies. So what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to think that you're actually participating in church. You're doing the good Christian thing, but actually your heart is completely disengaged. And it's not about the coffee machine or the serving or the singing or anything like that. It's about the heart. And if your heart is in, if, you're, if you are in this room every couple of weeks or every week or whatever the case might be, then that's fantastic. It's awesome. I'm not trying to discourage attendance. In fact, more than ever, we need to be raising up a people that are committed to gathering people are getting so complacent around that, so busy doing a whole lot of other things, right? But can I say to you, if you are in this place, but you're not engaged in what God is doing, and this is a regular thing you do, you're actually influenced by religion and you need to come before God and say, God, change me. God, change me. That, you know, so Jesus said, watch out for the the yeast. He said, watch out and beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why did he say that? Because he knew it was going to be a hard thing. If it was easy, he would not have said it. Right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, all right, I'm just going to, I'm exposing myself now. They were the professional Christians. They knew all the right things to say. They knew how to what candle to light, what ceremony to do, what to do in what mo- They knew to get up and lead some music here and do that. I'm just being honest. They had a form of godliness, but they denied its power, 2 Timothy 3 5. And re- a religious culture or a religious spirit always promotes a works-based works or performance-based lifestyle. It's always works-based. It's always like, have you done this? I have, if you've ever thought, I feel bad because I didn't do that, not because you didn't meet a commitment, right? That's part of life. We should meet our commitments. But if you're constantly feeling guilt and shame around God and serving the kingdom, you're under a spirit of religion. Give you these last things. These are the attitudes of religion. David, can you jump up? Then I'll finish. Look out for these things. Number one, this is how a spirit of religion, these are some of the attitudes. There's legalism. Legalism. Number two, criticism. It's always critical. It's always like our thing's the best thing. It's the only thing God's doing. We love it. Anything else that's happening outside of our church is not really what God's doing. We're happy for them and we'll celebrate them when we're, in, when we're looking at them face to face. But behind their backs, we're criticizing, we're critical. Number three, there's a lot of debate going on. Number four, it's there's opinion, it's opinionated. Number five, it's very judgmental. Their attitudes of being judgmental. Are you learning something this morning? And these are the big three hallmarks of a religious culture. Number one. There is guilt, there is guilt, 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 guilt. You feel a sense of guilt. Anyone felt guilty here before? I know I felt guilty. This culture should not be a culture of guilt, should not be. But I haven't been for 35 weeks. You're counting because you're guilty? And I and what will people think when I come back for that first time? We'll think, praise God, you're alive. Awesome. Let's get on with life. Let's worship Jesus. How do you know, and this may be for those that are listening online that aren't here this morning, but how do you know you're a part of a place, a church? that operates in the spirit of religion, there is always guilt involved. Number two, there's always fear involved. In fact, the way religious people lead is through fear and control. It's their primary mechanism. Fear, control, manipulation. There is always fear. Even the vision that religious environments present has strings attached that bring about guilt, that bring about fear, that bring about manipulation, that bring about control. And the third one, and we'll go home now, is pride. And pride is not always this thing where I'm the best. Pride can often manifest itself as insecurity too. I'm wanting to help you today cuz I don't I want you to be free of religion. I want you to be free of religion and I want this room, I want our church community, I want our church who we are to say no to religion. We've participated in it. And Lord, we want to we want to repent and we want to ask for forgiveness for participating in religion where we have. And so Holy Spirit, right now, even as the shepherd of this church, Father, I ask for your forgiveness where we've participated in religion, where we've led out of fear, guilt, pride, whatever it might be. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would come and that you would take the lid off this place. Lord, I'm not even—I'm ta- talking about more people. I'm talking about more presence. That's what we want. We want more of your power. Help us to learn what it is to operate in that Jesus spirit and opposite spirit. Help us to learn what it is to operate in freedom and faith and humility. Help us, Father, as a church community, to bring the gospel and the good news of Jesus to this world. We just we just humble ourselves before you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Lots of content this morning. A few things to write down. But you know what my prayer is? My prayer is just get free. This is why we need the Holy Spirit because you and I are bound in ways that we didn't even know we were bound. And so we want to pray. We want to be in that place of freedom and liberty. Don't you want to be in that place where the the greatest and the, the weightiest voice you listen to is the voice of the Holy Spirit? Is that what you want? Well, then you've got to... You've got to kick that spirit and that influence of religion out. And the only way you can do that is just for saying, Lord, build in me. You know what we're going to do now? I've gone on for long enough. Coffee's happening, it's going to be fun. But the spirit of religion. Oh, you're not ready. Oh, man. The wolf of an altar call dressed as the spirit of response. Because everything, every Pentecostal in this place is going, what about the response time? Yeah, you've got a heart and that heart is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you do what you need to do. On that note, everyone bow your heads. No, I'm joking. But if you want to pray, David's going to play for a little bit longer. That's what we do most weeks. And if you want to respond, our prayer team are going to be here. If you want prayer, some people are just want to, wanting to come, shake some of that religion off. Come before God, say, Lord, give me discernment. Whatever it is, you do you. I'm going to go out and grab a coffee. But you do you, okay? you Don't do you. Do what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to do. Amen. The altar call happens in your heart. Respond to Him in that way. Amen. Beck, can you sing as well? Just maybe for a few minutes. JL, you too. No coffee for you. Come on, God bless you all. Next Sunday, in fact, hang on, i got one more thing. Next Sunday is going to be amazing. Uh, there is going to be something in the venue here next week for those of you that might not feel comfortable going to a home at this stage. Um, we will be here next Sunday, or some will be here next Sunday. Um, and if you, for whatever reason don't get an invite or whatever, please respond to our emails. We have limited avenues of communicating with you. So we would really appreciate you getting on the front foot and reaching out to us. Um, But a few communications will go out early this week. Make sure you get invited. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bless someone, encourage them and do what you need to do. Amen. (laughs)